Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello. I am so glad you're here. Before I go into what I want to talk to you about today, I just have to take a minute and thank all of you who have been so supportive and positive with your feedback and taking the time to write kind reviews in iTunes. It's so fun to read them, and we really appreciate you doing that. So, do you ever find yourself wishing there was a neurodiverse parenting handbook that you could reference when problems come up? When your son refuses to eat anything but chicken nuggets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you just go to the handbook, look on page 63, find the answer, do it, and voila, he will now eat his vegetables and, bonus, clean up after himself too. Got a moody teenager that is refusing to go to school? The answer is on page 792. Wouldn't that be nice? You would be able to parent with such confidence. Well, I don't have a magic manual for you, but I am going to be sharing with you three ways to help you parent with more confidence over the next few months. These are things I wish I had known to do back when my oldest boys were younger, but these are things that I'm doing now that are so effective for me, and I'm really excited to share them with you. I want to start by talking about confidence. According to Google... Confidence is a belief in oneself that one has the ability to meet life's challenges and to succeed and the willingness to act accordingly. I love this definition, and there's a really important thing that I want to point out. When you think about parenting with confidence, it's a belief in yourself a belief in your ability to successfully meet parenting challenges and act from that belief. It is not based on your child's behavior or their success or failure. When I was a newbie mom raising our two oldest boys that we adopted from foster care at the ages of seven and eight, I had some ideas of how I thought a good mother should be, what they should do, what good moms didn't do, and especially how kids acted when they had good parents. Attempting to parent these two brothers that just kind of landed in my lap, both of which are neurodiverse, one with ADHD and the other was later diagnosed with autism, and both coming from a very challenging upbringing with lots of abuse and neglect, attempting to parent them I started questioning my inexperienced and naive notions of parenting. Now, it also didn't help that when I went into foster parenting, I was highly aware of some of the negative ideas that people had about foster parents. I would hear comments like, they're only doing it for the money, which, by the way, is so funny to me. Like, I can think of about a thousand different ways to make a ton mo- I can think of about a thousand different ways to make a whole lot more money and do it much easier 
It, it just makes me laugh when, when people say that. They love to share their stories about that one terrible foster family that they heard about. You know, because I get it, you know, everybody's a critic. But how many people are out there willing to raise their hand and jump in the ring to help? Right? So, okay, off my soapbox. But the thing is, is that I went into this really trying to prove that I was a good mom. I wanted to do a good job and help my boys. And unfortunately, I thought that a good job meant that my boys would do well in school, have friends, be good at sports, behave well, be happy, confident, and respectful. A good job was based on performative stuff in my mind. And my boys did do some of those things some of the time. And they were also not able to do a lot of those things a lot of the time. My confidence was based in their performance. If they did well, then I felt good about myself. And when they were struggling or things weren't working or they were falling even more developmentally behind, then I felt insecure and anxious. And let me tell you, my best, most effective parenting has never come from feeling insecure. I love my kids, and I need my best parenting, especially when my kids are struggling. My best parenting comes when I'm feeling confident and secure within myself, when I feel a steady inner peace. When your kids are struggling, you can't be looking to their performance to give you the confidence you need. You have to have it first, and then go into parenting interactions from that confident place. To have confidence first, you must feel good about yourself regardless of what's going on for your kids at any given time. Then you're more likely to show up with love and compassion patience, understanding. When you're confident first, then you open up your brain and you're able to problem solve and get creative. Creativity really comes in handy when you're parenting a neurodiverse child. When you're confident, you can connect emotionally, which can be harder with a neurodiverse child, but maybe even more important. And you can manage your day and your life in a way that supports you and your family. So when you confidently believe in yourself, you parent with an overall sense of security within yourself, a sense that I've got this, I can figure this out. It's going to be okay. And confidence feels amazing. When we parent with confidence, we just overall show up as our best selves in our parenting interactions. The opposite is true when we're insecure anxious, and needing our kids to be doing well so we can feel confident and good about ourselves. If my confidence is dependent on my kids' performance and they are performing poorly, I am for sure going to be more impatient, maybe a little more controlling or angry or blaming and overwhelmed. I'm much more likely to yell at my kids, be punitive, emotionally cut off, overwhelmed, and really indulge in a lot of negative self-talk and shame, which all just feels terrible for us and for our kids. The tools that I will be sharing with you are things that can help you get into a confident, secure state of being, things that help you show up how you want to show up in your parenting, regardless of what's going on 
with your child, what they're doing or what they aren't doing. And these things work whether you're parenting toddlers or teens. So I have three key things to help you, and I want to share the first one with you today. It's something I do regularly, multiple times throughout the day. It's simple, but I don't want you to let that fool you because it can have a profound impact. You do what I call a check-in. You just check in with yourself and ask yourself, how am I feeling? What am I feeling right now? And the cool thing about this is it helps you get in the habit of pushing the pause button. So you don't always just go full speed ahead, reacting to everything your kids or life throws at you. It helps you take a breath. (sighs) Right? Inhale, exhale, that little bit of pause. Checking in helps us develop awareness, emotional competence, and especially emotional maturity. When you look at toddlers, these new little humans on the planet that are feeling emotions for the very first time, they don't know what they are. They don't have the words or the vocabulary for them, and their brains are just brand new, creating neural pathways for understanding emotions and managing them. And what do we do when we have these emotions? And they're just these tiny little newbies on the planet, but these great big emotions washing over them. And it's easy to remember and, and realize, oh, this is why they're throwing a temper tantrum or or shutting down and overwhelmed and kicking and screaming on the floor. Like they really truly just don't have the neural pathways and the ability to manage and cope with some of these overwhelming emotions that come over them. When kids get into elementary school, they typically have better understanding of their emotions. They are able to manage them better. They have words to describe these emotions. They have the social awareness to recognize emotions in other people and to pick up on what they might be feeling. And most kids, by the, by the time they finish with elementary school, they have a pretty good grasp on emotions and managing their emotions. And then as they go into their teen years, you know, and adolescence, where they have a lot more brain connections, they have a lot more social awareness, a lot more expectations on them and pressures, then we dump in huge amounts of hormones into the mix. And they've got to start learning how to manage these brand new hormones that they're experiencing. No wonder teenagers are moody. And especially with girls, these complex hormones are fluctuating in different levels on a daily basis. I mean, the boys, they've got some fluctuation happening, but girls, there's all kinds of fluctuations happening every single day throughout their cycle. I have a 13-year-old and... Let me just tell you, sleep is our best friend for managing our emotions. By adulthood, we usually have kind of worked through some of that. We've got a better grip on our emotions. We have some maturity. But for a lot of us, we aren't good at managing our emotions. I think it's a a leading contributor to why there's so much addiction and problems out there. Because so many adults doing our best to manage negative emotions that come up with things outside of us. 
right? So that's where you're going to see some of your overeating, over drinking, over spending, over gaming, over you name it, right? Using outside things to try to manage what's going on for us internally, trying to feel better. So this check-in is this opportunity to develop some greater maturity with our emotions. Because emotions are what fuel us. And it's very common to get into emotional habits or to go into emotional autopilot where we're not conscious of our emotions. In fact, we may do certain tasks or come to certain times of the day or certain activities. And we sometimes just out of habit will get into like a negative emotional vibe around those things. And when you practice checking in with yourself, you can kind of snap yourself out of that autopilot mode. You know, and some examples of this might be maybe around bedtime routines. You know, maybe you've got bedtime routines down, but I know there's a lot of parents out there that really struggle with the bedtime routine. And just thinking about it's time to put the kids to bed, just you feel angry and frustrated and anxious and uptight. And you just kind of like go into that mode before anything's even happening. Like you're just anticipating um, the pushback and the, I don't want to go to bed and, and all of that. Or maybe it's when you go take your kids to the store and you just immediately like start having anxiety before you even get to the store because you know it's coming and you know it's going to be hard. When I would take my boys to the store, I would have to like prep them every single time. Do not touch anything. Don't put anything in your pockets. You're going to stay with me. We don't run around. We don't like I would go through this list and oh man, that was the days. Uh, Maybe you've got negative emotional vibes around homework time, or maybe it's during that morning rush trying to get the kids out the door or going on trips. I've noticed that my husband and I, we would get into this negative vibe around trips. Like I'd be stressed about going and trying to think of everything. And my husband would be anticipating me making us late and he would get upset about being late. And we just like had this pattern. And sometimes it would just be there, even though I was actually fine and ahead, of, you know, ready and ready to go on the you know, few occasions. I am actually ready early. But there's just all that negative tension going on anyway, because it's just that that negative habit pattern that that we got into around going on trips. And I just, you know, would hate getting ready for trips because I knew that was coming. So did you know that you don't have to feel stressed or angry at all all of those times? Like you could actually feel something else if you wanted to. I found that I can actually feel different about going on trips now. And the first step to changing your emotional habits or vibes is to actually notice them and ask yourself, what am I feeling? So doing check-ins, I recommend that you practice this throughout your day. And when you do this, you're going to start gaining awareness of where your biggest triggers are. And you'll start noticing what emotions that you are experiencing the most. Is it feelings of feeling happy, joyful, grateful, content, excited, confident? Or are you mostly feeling overwhelmed, resentful, worried, anxious, stressed, angry, insecure? Now, I don't want you to judge yourself for what you're feeling. That is the opposite of helpful. You are a human. That means that you will feel 
negative emotions, not just positive ones. And you're supposed to feel negative emotions. Check-ins are about increasing your emotional maturity, and that requires awareness. This is an awareness exercise. This is not a judge and beat yourself up exercise, okay? When you're feeling, say, annoyed, it's not, oh my gosh, I'm feeling annoyed again. Dang it. And getting annoyed with yourself for feeling annoyed. That is not how this works or what I want you to do. It's, oh, I'm feeling annoyed. That's interesting. And just notice it. Like no judgment, just, oh, I'm feeling annoyed. And you, it's good to practice this when you're feeling good, not just when you're feeling bad. It helps you actually enjoy the good a little bit more. Like you kind of pause in it and kind of savor it, which feels amazing, right? And the benefit to doing this throughout your day and practicing this is that your brain will start to remind you to do a check-in. And it then will remind you when you're starting to get worked up, right? And help you pause before you just go down a road that you may not want to go down. Check-ins are also really helpful to do with others. Now, I don't mean to go and like ask someone, how are you feeling? I mean, you can do that. But when I say a check-in with others, what I'm talking about is like say with your kids, check in and ask yourself, what is my son feeling right now? Or what, what emotions are behind how my daughter is behaving? And the cool thing about checking in with your kids and thinking about what they might be feeling and experiencing is it helps you step out of negative knee-jerk judgments and just really see your child. We have a tendency to just focus in on behaviors that we don't like or words that are being said. And checking in reminds us that there are emotions behind those words or behaviors. This is a young human experiencing emotions, a human with a still developing brain that is maybe feeling hurt, embarrassed, worried, frustrated, angry, or lonely. And maybe doesn't have the development to, to work with that or process it or know what to do with that. Or communicate it in a healthy way, right? So checking in helps us see the bigger picture of what they might be experiencing. When your child is angry, upset, tantruming, the natural tendency really is to just mirror that upset, like, Stop doing that. Calm yourself down. And we get upset that they're upset. And we just 10x the the upset. And that check-in just gives you that little bit of pause before you jump into that and start mirroring their behavior. Another example of this would be like when you're running late. When we're trying to get out the door and we're in that like anxious rush. And I'm like, hurry up. We got to get in the car. Let's go. We're going to be late. My daughter My youngest, she will feel so stressed out that she just completely shuts down, kind of throws a mini temper tantrum, and she just gets so overwhelmed she can't take it. She certainly doesn't move faster. And this is nothing personal to me. She's not trying to make me late. She's not trying to be bad. She's not being disrespectful, defiant, irresponsible. She's just overwhelmed with the pressure to get in the car quickly and thinks that she can't do it. 
different kids will have different emotional responses at different times. Checking in helps us recognize they're having an emotional experience. It really helps us see our loved ones on a deeper level and support them on the level where they're at. Support as someone watching, holding space, kind of holding their hand through it versus jumping into the emotional drama pit with them. You can also check in with your spouse or partner, right? There's a, there's a lot of parenting conflicts that come up, especially when you're parenting a neurodiverse child. And this gives us an opportunity to really look at what's going on for our spouse or partner. You know, my husband's upset right now and he's saying things. Why might he be saying that? Like what's behind that? Not just reacting to what he's saying, but recognizing that that there's some emotions going on behind that. I find that check-ins are really helpful with extended family, coworkers, just about anyone really. Like you do a check-in and you just kind of think, what are they feeling? So I hope you have some fun with this and just start practicing it. Start noticing what's coming up for you and drop judgment over it, but just start noticing, huh, that's interesting. I'm feeling frustrated right now. Hmm. I notice that I feel frustrated about these certain things. You start picking up on more awareness and not just be in constant autopilot of whatever emotions are coming up. Parenting a neurodiverse son or daughter can feel very lonely. If you are struggling with things like insecurity, anxiety, overwhelm, I want you to know that you don't have to keep doing it all alone. I would love to help you so that you don't have to keep struggling for years like I did. Go to our website, jasondebbie.com, J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com, and sign up for our email list. And we'll send you a free three-part video course. Start parenting confidently with three simple steps that I recorded for you. And I go into a lot more detail and much deeper on these concepts and really give you the how-tos for how to use this in your life. You can also sign up for coaching with me, where you can bring your specific challenges and problems, and I will coach you through them. It's quicker and easier and so much more fun to make progress in your parenting when you get coaching. I can't even tell you what a difference it's made for me in my life. And I want that for you too. All right, so that's what I have for you today on this topic. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Look for episodes part two and three coming out in the next couple months. And I hope you have a terrific week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.